Hello and welcome to First Issue Club, the weekly podcast that covers all the hypes number ones that come out weekly at your comic book stop. 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 <laughs> stop. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> <laughs> this week we are covering comic books that come that came out on October 25th. We have Ghostbusters, Answer the Call, out on IDW. We have Eternity from Valiant. And we have The Rough and Ready Show number one out of DC. We're going to do a new thing that's not a new thing because we've done it once, but we want to continue to do this. We want to let you know what comic books we're reading so that you can read along with us. We will do that at the end of this podcast. So if you're the type of person that wants to fast forward and hear that, I don't know why you would. I'm guessing it's going to hit around the 26, 27 mark. (laughs) So I'll tell you then what comic books we're going to be covering next week. Who do we have in the club today? And who was your cartoon crush? And you can't say Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> this is Mike DeStacy. My cartoon crush was Miss Pac-Man. Ooh, Ooh that globe, goodness. that singular Ooh, globe. That mouth. Yeah, that nice. bow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bow that... that uh, Identifies her gender. That's yeah. all she wore. <laughs> mm. uh, Greg Lichtai, my cartoon crush was the mom's legs from the Tom and Jerry show. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Step on me. Uh, my name is Caitlin Morosik, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe Hey Arnold or, like, the, the guy from Kablam. I am Mike, the Budget King Russo. Uh, I came up with this question because Stranger Things came out this week. Mm-hmm. Why not writers in it? And mine is Lydia from Beetlejuice, the animated series. Ooh. She got me into suicide girls and goth fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> well, She's a gateway drug to Marilyn Manson. Yeah. It's going to be a theme. All right. And that does it. So let's get this podcast started. <laughs> All right. So I'm covering Ghostbusters Answer the Call, which is a comic book adaptation of the movie Ghostbusters Answer the Call, which is which came out about two or three years ago, which is uh, all female cast telling of the movie Ghostbusters. This comic book follows, I think, pretty much right after the movie. The team is already established and um, solving Ghostbuster happenings all over town. And they uh, it opens with them answering a call about a young... Uh, ghost apparition in a house, soon find out that it is not all what it seems, and one of the Ghostbusters is um, possessed by the ghost. Spectral uh, hilarity ensues, Mm -hmm. but I kind of enjoyed it. I actually really like this book. I feel like the if any nerd is writing a review on this comic book, they're going to say, well, it's better than the movie. (laughs) That's going to be like their tagline. (laughs) But I think, to me, I, I would actually be in that camp or whatever whereas i feel like these characters that got developed in the movie the new adaptation where they're all female didn't have a lot of plot development and we had almost more plot development here as to who they were and they were more interesting in these comic books and they had to work from like that framework what i don't get is it seems ghostbusters has like 40 different comic books and team-ups and now there's a comic book for the newest movie how does you said you're a Ghostbusters fan? Mm-hmm. How does Ghostbusters have such a massive fan base still? The the first movie was like in my mind just kind of like a perfect '80s movie, 
that people just kind of build off that fervor from the first movie still and just always create new things, new stories. And with the Ghostbusters franchise, it's so easy to to delve into new stories because it's about ghosts. It's about hunting ghosts. You can literally make up any storyline to create development or anything, and it's just it, there's never a story that can't be told. Do we think there's young kids that are reading Ghostbusters comics? Well, I think that the relaunch of Ghostbusters with, like, women-centric and kind of just restarting the story, frankly, any relaunch or reboot is, an, is a chance to get a younger audience. I, I think that it, it's tough to talk about this comic without talking about the movie a little bit. Um, and one thing I think that is, like, super limiting about this comic is... Um, I'm going to get her name. What's her last name? Holtzman. Holtzman. Holtzman, which is like the Egon creation, has no plot development. And I feel like when they developed her in the movie, they just said, like, crazy scientist. Yeah. You're right. That, yeah, she is kind of like two-dimensional in that sense. She's just like always test. I guess she really loves data. She's got a crazy haircut. And she's just like crazy. I feel like she's treating the whole movie like an improv comedy set. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, hoo, hoo, hoo. Cool, cool, cool. Let me take this vial and test it out. But it's like there's no like really development, and they use so many like they're like the humor is like let's say like molecular like division like w- weird science words to make mm-hmm. it seem like she's super sciency. Yeah, I don't know. I get that. It seems like her character was like supposed to be like an outcast in high school and college or, like, or whatever. Highly she was... eccentric, and instead yeah. she's just kind of like nutty all over the place. The one thing I th- I feel like. We kind of talked about, like, Ghostbusters community of whatever, of, like, is there that much fandom in it or whatever? I felt like when Ghostbusters was made originally, it was a quirky action movie, maybe even, like, borderline horror, but a B-movie that happened to be funny. Like, I felt like it was, like, the humor was, like, laced into it. Mm -hmm. This new Ghostbuster was, like, it's a comedy that Mm -hmm. happens to have ghosts in Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that's exactly what, yeah. And I I think that I I would prefer the strength of the the first series a little bit more and that th- what this comic book does is it evens out the playing field a little bit. I think was someone always improving on the set of the original Ghostbusters? I think that I read that somewhere. Me. Maybe Bill Murray or something but um, they had to do like a ton of takes because he would just always be improving. Really? And like they because you're right they they didn't uh, fashion it as a comedy. It kind of was like I don't think they were expecting such a hit of <laughs> this no. movie that it has transformed into. So were you guys fans of the Ghostbusters cartoon show? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of people who are big Ghostbusters fans loved the cartoon show. Yeah. And I kind of missed it. I Sorry, TJ. Yeah. <laughs> I did, too. Sorry, TJ. We have a friend who's going to yell at us. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's our only commenter, so uh, make sure to follow us on yeah. uh, First Issue Club on Twitter. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please, dear God. <laughs> To the comic book itself, the villain in this, um, I thought was really cool. In in that this is, I I didn't want to give away the end because you didn't give away the end. But he has this power where if he scares people, which is appropriate because Halloween's coming up, he gets more powerful. Mm-hmm. That's like his thing. So he's just gonna go around, and he became like you know he gets so powerful that he's like kind of doing his thing. What do you guys think about a ghost like or I don't know a villain like that that just lives off of your fear? It's interesting. It's gonna be hard to figure out how they're gonna defeat him. Like, they yeah. laugh a lot. They just laugh at him, right? <laughs> I mean, it's something that works for people. I think people really get into that because it is very successful as well. And that's another same type of theme. Nightmare on Elm Street. And if yeah. you get scared watching something, then you are part of like 
it's for people who, like me, do not want to be scared and like, oh, but if I'm scared, then they'll get me, <laughs> like that kind of thing. <laughs> so it works on multiple levels because it feeds off of fear and the thing that you're watching or reading. And then if you get scared, you immediately become more susceptible if you're kind of playing along. Yeah. This was good. I, I say if you like it, there is a lot of other Ghostbuster books on IDW right now that are just as great. So if you liked it, check them out. Including like alternate realities. And yeah. The, uh, Ghostbusters 101. Yeah, so Ghostbusters 101 is basically the two timelines meeting. You have the Ghostbusters from the 80s movies and the Ghostbusters from Answer the Call um, finding this time stream where they actually meet up. And it's about them learning from one another and fighting a ghost that is... I'm, in, I'm into that. Is that out already? Yeah, it's done. Oh. Uh, they're re-upping it, though. Oh, they are? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I missed it. Well... <laughs> <laughs> no one's buying it, so you can go find the yeah. issues. Send it to me for free. <laughs> First Issue Club yeah. on Twitter, F-I-R-S-T. Now we have Eternity, out on Valiant by Matt Kent and Trevor Hairsign. Eternity is a comic book in the Valiant universe that is building off of a popular comic book series by Matt Kent, and Trevor Harrison, the same duo, uh, called Divinity, where they launch a character named Abram Adams, who came out of the Soviet Union-Russia rocket race, and he was launched far into the galaxy, somewhere unbeknownst to the world. He came back later to Earth as a god-being, and all of the Valiant Universe had to figure out how he existed, how to fight him, and he eventually just became a hero in their lore. So we find Divinity... In a, in a Russian house far away, um, just in the middle of nowhere, living out his family life with his uh, wife, who is also divinely inspired, and now they have a child. And a planet far, far away, an observer is killed. The observer is ki- being killed sets this planet into uh, chaos, and they have to figure out what to do. Their plan is to come back to the place where divinity was, and essentially capture his child. That is the plot of this comic book. Now, at face value, that sounds like a comic book you can pass over. I would say read this comic book twice, and if you did did not read Divinity, go ahead and pick up Divinity, because it is fucking awesome. When you read this comic book twice, remember this Matt Kent uh, quote. This comic book is not weird for weird's sake. He said that in an interview. The illustrations in this, the artwork in this is, is so great. And there is all these layers happening in this comic book that sets up this story that's also going to be a four-part story. So we find out that this other universe, this observer that's killed, he needs to do this reading. He's essentially kind of like pulling the wool over the eyes of this like world. And him dying is going to send that world into chaos. So we have all of this politics of that world going on. We also have a person on Earth. His name is David Camp. David Camp is essentially this just uh, reverend person just sitting awaiting divinity to return. He started the religion of divinity. And he's going to become somewhat of a villain because he feels like he gets um, slighted by divinity going out on this adventure, but him not being incorporated. So we so we have a good villain launched already. Um, and then I think... Just the sheer characters, the illustration. This is one of those books where if you d- you dive in and you see the illustration on this, um, you will just get totally roped in. So that that is my not one minute intro 
of this book because <laughs> it's kind of a hairy book. It really is. So there's a lot of details to flesh out, but this book is certainly just sci-fi brilliance. Um, as cool as I think you could get a science fiction book uh, in this format. But like Mike said, the illustrations are super striking Mm -hmm. Um, and the way they help tell this story which can be a little hard to follow at times I just can't put in words it's a it's a beautiful book have you guys you both mics you have both read divinity correct I've read the first divinity uh same there's a divinity one two and three I have not read two or three I had no idea (laughs) what was going on because I did haven't read divinity so my my question was going to be to the club was do you have to read divinity to know this and you are the test subject that says absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it would yes. help if you don't want to like just try to pour over it from here without going back and reading it. You could probably do it, but it would take a little while, I would imagine. So let me say this then: we we do this podcast first issue club in a lot of ways because these are jumping on points, and that's what really what we, we want to stick on is like these number ones and all that kind of stuff. This is a book that requires prior reading. We're going to go ahead and say that. Totally worth it. Matt Kent is a fucking god of comic book writing, and he does so many brilliant things mm-hmm. that I think that... I, I actually haven't never read a bad book that he's done, and he's the nicest person in the fucking yeah, world. Yeah, if you get a chance to meet him at a con, say hello to him, and he'll talk to you for like five minutes. God, he's so good. <laughs> yeah, buy one of his books Everything. that he's selling, and he will draw something yeah. for you on it. He should be the face of, like, saving comic book culture from <laughs> fucking terrible-ass nerds. Um, <laughs> like Him us. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he probably would hate us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he still hasn't retweeted us. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so I guess if you're going to read Eternity, which I am, I love, and I think Mike Hit It on the Head is a great sci-fi book, you're going to have to read Divinity, which is well worth your time. I still found it very compelling, and I, and I wanted to get into it more. Just learning about just like the even the role, the idea of a role of the observer was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm not familiar with what the observer does. Or, it's awesome though. Yeah, and the art was. I wrote that. That was like my yeah. The art was like inspired highlight. by like Jack Kirby from the 70s. Like those worlds that are created in the characters. Sure. It's just like holy shit. This guy's on another level. Oh, it's insane. Honestly, I will. I'm gonna rephrase my sentence. I don't think you need to read uh, Divinity if you know what we're gonna say here which is that the person you meet in the first panel (laughs) is Divinity. He was a Soviet (laughs) astronaut. He got some godlike powers. He now came back and is a god that is somewhat worshipped on Earth. Right? You you could read the book knowing that. I feel like that's... Divinity. There you go. They should have hired us (laughs) to write their prelude, and you would have sold a hell of a lot more comments, Valiant. Yeah. Yeah. And that is Eternity, out on Valiant by Matt Kitt and Trevor Hairsign. All right, once again, I'm Mike DeStacy, and I'm going to be talking about The Rough and Ready Show from DC Comics. This was written illustrated by Shaken and Ray. So this book is based on a real 1950s kids cartoon. Did everybody know this already? I had to look it up on Wikipedia. Didn't they show the image in the comic? They did. And I was like, that looks like a real, like, Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Yeah. And it is. It's the first Hanna-Barbera cartoon. One of the first cartoons ever. Right, exactly. Which... I did not know that. Remind me to say something about that later on. Um, 
So Hanna-Barbera, if you're not familiar, did cartoons like the Jetsons, Flintstones, Huckleberry Hound, Top Cat. Way more huge franchises yeah. came after this. This one lasted for a couple years and then moved on. Um, so now all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons are owned by Warner Brothers. And you might already know this um, from some bad movies you've seen lately, but Warner Brothers also owns DC Comics. Uh, so DC <laughs> can do whatever they want. So the slyest burn. Right. <laughs> so DC can essentially write any comic they want for Hanna-Barbera characters, That's which is why we're getting a Jetsons comic book next week. Um, so what this book proposes is what if cartoons and people coexisted a la Roger Rabbit and these two child star cartoon characters grew up after their show got canceled, which is not as super fun as it sounds. Um, it kind of because it's DC and they don't do jokes. Yeah, they don't. Do, yeah, they take everything super seriously. So this book kind of inserts them into this made-up zeitgeist of the real '50s, '60s, and '70s. So we're dealing with war and xenophobia that they mention in the book, and ultimately these characters failed attempts at theater, performance art, and bad movie roles find them like wrecked later on in their lives. Um, at the very end of the book, we're presented with these characters in either present day or that 1980s. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> they're, they're older, but they have not aged. Yeah, they haven't aged a bit, which I'd, I'm assuming that characters, animated characters in this universe grow up because at one point they're little kids in the beginning of the book, right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. It's confusing. I won't get into that. Um, but it appears that a talent agent is trying to bring them back together for some reason that we don't understand. Did the tone of this book entirely strike you guys as odd? Yes. Yeah. It, it, it Odd in a way that I loved. Okay, yeah. I, I think that, like, if say you say you read this and you don't know Rough and Ready, you've never seen it, so you just have this idea. What? Yes. Okay. Well, I haven't seen it either, but you have no idea that it's even a cartoon, right? You read it and you say, "Here's a comic book based on cartoon people who are real, a la Roger Robert, as Mike T mentioned already." And then they like grow up later. It's like weirdly like dark and like political, and does like all the. It does deal with this like thing that like is almost like they're like transgender because they're like animal people, but they're like cartoons and stuff, um, and I felt like it dealt with that in, like, a really interesting way. The, my only criticism is that I didn't always understand the timeline. I, re I read this a handful of times because I knew I was going to be facilitating conversation on it, so maybe I can help with some of that. Um, there's an intro scene which takes place over, like, uh, the 1950s slash 60s, and we're getting it through blips and bloops of TV shows. And so you're getting a picture of what was happening in that era of time in America, which is where we find out that these characters are seen as kind of like outsiders and xenophobia is um, taking over as people aren't, you know, wanting to characters share. Characters meaning cartoons. Ca or, yeah. Right, exactly. They call exactly. them like celimate? They call it, which I think is a reference to celluloid, like animation cells. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But they're yeah. celimates okay. is what they call these creatures. Who exist. Who exist. And I think Rough and Ready are the characters that kind of normalize Celimates in America because they're some of the pioneering characters, which ties back to them being one of the first oh. regularly scheduled shows. So someone had some legit deep history yeah. 
into these characters and did a lot of forethought, I think. I think where you ma- where you lacked book. like character development in Ghostbusters, this one makes yeah, up for more it than made up for, for it. this week. It was, like it is dense. It, yeah, it it is the most complex and morose book <laughs> <laughs> that we've talked about in a minute, maybe. H- however, if it, be, it being so mature, why do they bleep out all the swear words? I did not know. I was confused by that. This book was super raunchy, right? And there's some pages where they bleep out so much, and I think we're supposed to be following the conversation, but I can't because they're bleeping out so much of it. Is I it, think they want me to fill in a certain word in my head, and I didn't know what they I wanted. always go straight to fuck. If there's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Can, can we also break down the two girls, one cup reference? Oh, my oh God. My God. God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you notice well, that? Oh, yeah. 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 That's so, what I'm saying. A, Go so ahead. one of the characters inexplicably says, two girls, two cups. I don't know why he says it. Nope. I can't find any reasoning <laughs> for it. But and there's also a scene where he, like, he is like drinking like a martini or something off of a woman's ass. Like Yeah, like she's bent she's over. Just, and she's talking to him. Like this is a thing. Yeah. I think we're showing them as like washed up shithead Hollywood guys. <laughs> like yeah. they're just like the nasty side of Hollywood. Uh, like Corey uh Feldman and his angels. Yeah. Corey. Yeah. <laughs> this is right? This is basically sure. like Corey Feldman. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Child star that just like can't transition into adulthood well. I yeah. think DC knocked this out of the park. For what they were given for a show that's like one of the formidable like animation to like give it a new story. Well yeah, what a way to like yeah. get a better glimpse into I just, it's so interesting to take something that cartoon show for children, make it something totally different. Totally. And hardly even, they, like, reference the show, really, in, in any way. I love the downfall of, uh, they, there's literally, like, seven pages of their downfall of just all the shitty movies that they had <laughs> right. to do after they got kicked out of their, like, television series and just shows, like, the spiraling, like, mm-hmm. into abyss of nobody to the point that they're just, like, Nobody's at a grocery store. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, weird art pieces that they're trying to do, and mm-hmm. they're just getting like terrible reviews. I don't even know if this is gonna make sense, but it's it's like interesting to tell their story from the point of view of like um, somebody watching, because that's what that's the business they're in. But it's also telling the story from the point of like Hollywood or how you would like watch a montage of what's happened to them. Yeah, does that make any sense? I would have loved to write this comic, but as, like, even Stevens. And then you, like, write it about Shia LaBeouf and Ren. <laughs> <laughs> like, 30 years later. And now Shia LaBeouf just spiraled out of control. Uh, talk about Bean's tragic death. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I'm glad you guys liked it. I liked it, too. Were these... So there's humans, like us, and then there's, like, cartoon people? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Right. So we're, in this su- comic. we're assuming in this world that every cartoon character also goes home at night. Anybody so film weird things at, and they like, go premise home. for like a, a reality? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, could you imagine Dora just going home and never aging? Yeah, I mean I can. So then, I don't want to, but I can now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have. Can you imagine just like young Dora? Being young Dora, and like into her twenties, like she wants to fall in love, but no one wants to fall. Can that, I change my answer like to the baby. first question? It's like that baby in Roger Rabbit, yes. though. Yeah, like, yeah. She would just have this, like, yeah, like three raspy pack a day. voice. Yeah, that's like a <laughs> Buenos Dias. Yeah. 
What's the What's the mathematical symbol? Oh, absolute. It's like absolute value, Benjamin Button. So you are just born the age that you always look. <laughs> it would be interesting to see if they would ev- if they would go back into how this all happened, but I don't think that might be too so, tall of it. Car- can cartoons have sex and then procreate, or like <laughs> they that's hatch? What Ka- that's what Caitlin just asked. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're I do looking like, at me like, explain hatched. it to yeah, me. Just, they're hatched. Are they gave re- a presentation are they, are they, are they on it. He was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think some like oh does. Oh man, they're birthed at the pen of the god. That's kind of what I was thinking. Who drew that god? Was there someone that did this, or and a team us. of? Oh man, we, of and here we are. This book is going to get even heavier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When was the cartoon Big Bang? It's going to get existential. But for real, though, I did want to talk you guys through the <laughs> two girls, one cup thing. Yeah, let's go back. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, starts off the panel, Ruff says, two girls, two cups, and he's holding a coffee cup. It makes no sense with what's going on in the panel. And Reddy says, let's hope it's just coffee, which is an allusion to two girls, one cup. Poo-poo. The dog <laughs> says, huh? And then the cat says, don't bother. Like Variety says, I'm way ahead of my time. So, Reddy has some consciousness of the future, at least some presence. He's getting, of, oh, so, uh, like he knows oh porn. God. He knows yeah, porn he in the future, future at a porn. minimum. <laughs> Which is wow. Wow, helpful. Yeah. What an odd joke to work into this book. Even odder yeah. if it's alluding to that he can have like, he can see into the future. Like, I read through that, and I was like, I must have taken all of this wrong. <laughs> and then I went back and read it again, and I was like, nope, Reddy is like a future porn predicting cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> joke is a loose term, though. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not a it's joke, kind of, It's kind really. of a joke, and, like, do you ever guys, you guys know, like, the attractive guy in your class that, like, he would just be like, Vart. <laughs> and like that was like his version of like a joke. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you talking about me? <laughs> yeah, sorry. There's there's certain people whose their sense of humor, like the height of it, is quoting other things. Yeah. Re- referencing like Right. Yeah. yeah. Dane Cook. <laughs> sorry. Burn. Yeah. Gotcha, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. Yeah, you won't even know it. Don't you even fucking <laughs> listen to this podcast. Yeah. Come back at us. Yeah. I'm kidding. You're probably very nice. <laughs> This book was cool. Honestly, they <laughs> recommend. I yeah, I'm excited about this book. Like, I think this is a sleeper for this week, and I think it's. I'm definitely gonna read it. Oh yeah, there's no way this book sold out. Because you, you see this next to all the other DC books. Who picks this up? Way to go, DC! Swoosh. We I successfully did a review of DC without shitting on them. Yeah. <laughs> Good for us, guys. All right, and that does it for this week's episode of First Issue Club Weekly Podcast. First Issue Club is a proud partner of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. We are recorded in the KCUR studios, and our theme music is by Primary Color Music. All right, guys, it's that time for us to talk about the books that we're going to cover next week. Hopefully this is at the 27 mark. <laughs> Matt, if you've done your job, this is at the 27 minute mark. Next week we are going to be covering Jetsons number one out on IDW. We're going to be covering Ghostbusters and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 also out on IDW? Yes. 
And we're going to be covering number one with a bullet, a new number one out on Image, which we're super excited about. With an asterisk that sometimes comic books don't come out on time, so we never really know. Stay tuned and stand by. For instance, if John Wick finally comes out next week, <laughs> we will be reading that book for sure. You can bet your damn scratch, scratch one of these off. <laughs> yep. And if there was ever a lost book. <laughs> All priorities out the window. We're going to do an hour yep. special In fact, don't just even, that book. If there's a lost book that comes out, just don't go to work the next week. <laughs> just wait for our podcast yeah, call, to come out. Call us. <laughs> Sit by your computer, wait for the iTunes thing to upload or update for you. <laughs> We'll give you our number, and you can call us and be on our 12-hour episode. Right. Yeah. Maybe like a telethon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just we'll pack this huge. We we record in a mansion, giant-ass rich mansion. There's, like, <laughs> fudge everywhere. And you can, you can come to our fudge mansion and record with us. <laughs> this mansion is super melty. Yeah, KCUR Studios Fudge Mansion, baby. <laughs> Thank um, you, taxpayers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael DeStacy. Bye-bye, babies. I am Caitlin Morosik, and I will show myself out. This is Greg Lichtai, signing off. I'm Mike, the Budget King Russo. See ya. Hey, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> There's your last word. Oh, no. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>